Hello, you're listening to Eve, Where Are You? A show designed to confront toxic practices against women in the church. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Davis, conflict coach and resolutionist. So this week, we're going to be talking about another greatly debated gender divisive topic in the Bible. We've been going over a number of scriptures and our focus this time is going to rest on 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 12. And it's really important before we get started, before Tony and I get into this conversation, that we just want to remind you that we are not theologians by any stretch of the imagination. What our goal is for having these conversations is to really open you up to the realization that there's more to the scriptures than just what we see. And so in order to find out, we have to study the word. We have to consider the meanings of the various terms in the Greek and Hebrew, and we have to be willing to grow and change when we know more about the word. And then knowing more, hopefully we will do better. And so it's imperative that we consider all of what the scripture represents about women and how Paul in particular worked with women, which we don't believe that. We think Paul was anti-women and we learn the more we go in that he is probably one of the biggest supporters, just like you, babe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being married to you has me all up in this controversy in a public way, right? But I'm, I'm glad you said what you just said, because you know, you're right. We're not theologians and we don't profess to be and if you think about it, the majority of the people who are in, in the faith, they're not theologians and they don't profess to be. They, they have no desire to be. But at the same time, we all are given the mandate to be like the Bereans and, and, and to go study to see if what was said is thus. And so, you know, we want to study. We want to show ourselves approved and we want to have understanding and we want to make sure that we can live our lives according to that understanding. So while we're not theologians, that certainly is not an excuse for us to be lazy when it comes to the scriptures as well, because we need some kind of understanding. And. We think that the best way to get that understanding is to, is to do some self-study as well. I mean, of course, we have teachers, we have um, ministry gifts that can help us in that regard. But we have to look at it and, and um, see if what they're saying is thus and so. Because, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, especially what, one of the things that we've seen even here, in, especially in America, sometimes you have people who um, haven't really studied the Bible them, for themselves and what they've done. They've relied on somebody else's preaching and who's relied on somebody else's preaching. And a lot of times they read a lot of other people's book and very few people actually spend time in the book to see what's thus. And so because when you do that, you'll say, hey, wait a minute. They, I may have heard it um, taught this way, but then you read and say, hey, wait a minute. I see some contradictions here. But unfortunately, in, in our um, traditional ed- forms of um, learning, we don't get an opportunity to discuss some of those things that may be um, controversial to us or some things that may um, bring up questions in our mind. And then we go on, we go on confused. And then we'll just default to the position of, well, my favorite teacher said it this way. So therefore, that's going to be my opinion. And that's how I'm going to carry it out. And with this particular topic, I mean, as we just said before, there's a lot of vitriol around it. And I, I really don't understand why. But there, there seems to be this angst. I mean, there are a lot of things that we can disagree on. But for this, this particular topic, there's a lot of angst. And there seems to be a major push to people, for people to really get in their respective camps and just stay divisive and, and in a lot of cases be absolutely, absolutely nasty to each other as well. And quite frankly, I don't understand that, but nevertheless, here we are. And you know, and to that point, it's not even that we are advocating for every woman. 
We want Absolutely them to not. be competent women. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. you have good and bad on both sides. And what many will argue is that if you allow women in, then, oh, my God, it's going to be this bum rush of, of women and they're going to try to take over and they're going to be this and they're going to be that. But the point of the matter is we should all be studying to show ourselves approved. We should all be better leaders. We should all understand the scriptures. And when we find one, no matter what the gender is, whoever they are, if they are not adequately or rightly dividing the word, they shouldn't be teaching it. And if they're not a good leader, they shouldn't be a pastor. And it doesn't matter the gender. So and you can do it as well. I guess we want to stay on topic. But you can you can be doing it. But even if your motives are bad, mm-hmm. if, you, if it's just there for um, selfish gain, you're, you're not even thinking about um, expanding the kingdom of God. You're not oh. thinking about the other individual. It's all about personal gain. Um, I, I have questions about that as well. Right. Anyway, but I know that's not the topic of this. Right. So what I, what I want us to do is, uh, and that's why I love Bible study, is just kind of before we get into the scripture specifically, that we do a little um, deeper dive, a little, a little deep, a, a deeper of a dive. How about that? Okay. Into the history. Because I know you're a history buff. No, I am not a history. <laughs> oh, you, you said that facetiously because I'm on this podcast. No, I am not a history buff. I, I, I did it. I, I do it out of necessity. I, I didn't like it in school, and I really don't even like it now. But sometimes you you, you have to um, go into history just to get an understanding. And, and yes. For context. Yes. For, for context. So, and, and that's all that history is. It's just yeah. giving us context. I guess it's just how far back in history. Mm-hmm. Like last week, that's history. I mean... <laughs> I know we're on this podcast and I know we're not doing a video, but everybody should see your teeth looking at me as you said, calling me a history buff because I am not. But anyway, okay. but with this particular, um, well, before we even get into the history here, I think one of the things that we need to look at, because with this topic, you're talking about Eve, where are you? You're talking about women in leadership positions, but even more specifically women um, in leadership positions within the church. But of course, we know that's not your major um, focus. Your focus is women being who God has called them to be regardless of the um, venue or the form. Correct. But, and as we, as, as I, as Ashley, as I just brought up, you know, the vitriol that's in, in, the, in the hate and the, and the angst that's usually given to this topic. And when we talk about women, preachers or women in leadership positions, I find it really interesting, even before we get into the history, that we attach scriptures to women in preaching or women in pastoral positions or in any of the fivefold ministry positions, but yet the scriptures that we use are one of the ones that we're going to discuss right now. None of them really necessarily talk about women in that role. It's almost like um like in law there's a thing called the long arm statute. And you know, and with the long arm statute, you know, what what that will actually allow a court to do is obtain personal jurisdiction over a defendant of oh an out of state defendant, um, you know, who um on the basis of some kind of acts that have been um committed by the out of state defendant you know, as long as they have like some kind of sufficient connection with that state. So in other words, like we're in Maryland and somebody in Pennsylvania, our courts don't have jurisdiction over them. But if they do something that shows some kind of connection to the state of Maryland, then our courts will um, now have personal jurisdiction over them because of that. In a normal situation, this, the Pennsylvania courts will have jurisdiction over them, right? See, you know, when I, you know I like when you talk like this. You're <laughs> but, going into your law background. But, but, but the, the, re- the reason I bring that up, because when I, when I see this particular topic, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I see a, a lot of what I like to equate to like long arm. I, I see people saying, well, this scripture doesn't necessarily address women preaching. However, because of this, that's enough of a connection that I can attach it to women in these roles. And so in slang, what we would say, oh, you reach it. Yeah, you're reaching. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, you. We, that's a reach. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we we really reach when it comes to this because these scriptures that we go to to say that women should not preach, when you look at them, just on their face, and even if, either if you're just looking at how it's expressly stated, or even within, within the context, that particular scripture is not saying women don't preach, but we'll say because it says this about a woman, therefore she should not preach or she should not speak or be in this position. But even and even. I'm going to say that we're reaching really with Inspector Gadget arms now because even when it talks about women, these particular scriptures about women, it's not even talking about women in leadership positions. It's talking about women conducting themselves in general. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about, um, you said First Timothy 2.11 and 12. Right? I guess you want to read it first, right? Yes, I can certainly read it. So people can know what we're talking about. I mean, um, okay. I think that's appropriate. So this is the New King James Version. Let a woman, beginning at verse 11, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Yeah. So with that particular scripture, we traditionally say that right there, that's one of the go to shut her down. Um, A woman should not be opening her mouth. And as a matter of fact, if she's teaching and She's in a leadership position. She has authority over man. God doesn't want that because we can see the instructions that Paul has given to Timothy in this regard. Shut her down. Right. Shut her down. And once again, long run. So. All right. So now let's look at this in context. Right. And, and with this particular. Um, let me grab a Bible. Because okay. uh, we, we're going to talk about um, context and, and history, which I am not a buff. But I'm going to turn to first Timothy in my Bible. I guess I should grab one. That's um, not that one. I'm going to grab my complete Jewish Bible. And I'll get to that in a second. But let's look at the context here. We say Paul is talking to his young protege, Timothy. Right. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, where are they? What's going on and what are they addressing? Right. So in this particular case, we can see that we know that this is one of them with the people like to sometimes call one of Paul's prison epistles. You know, he wrote several epistles when he was or letters when he was in jail. You know, you got um, Ephesians along with uh, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, you know, those were the um, prison epistles. And we know that Paul was in Ephesus when he wrote to Timothy or Paul was in prison and Timothy was the young pastor of a church in Ephesus. Paul had turned it over to him. Right. Right. Um, so and he also wrote another letter to Titus. I guess we can um, talk about that. Do you have Second Timothy in your discussion as well? Second Timothy. OK. And we're going to talk about that at some particular point. Though. Well, I have I have First Timothy three. Okay, so you so have. so I don't have Second Timothy. So if you want oh, okay, to yeah, because he was arrested. Mention. Yeah, he was arrested. Then he wrote those other letters, and then he was rearrested, and that's where Second Timothy kind of came from, right? So what we can see right here, I'm I'm, I'm in Ephesus, right? Because we have we have to look at the um, the culture of Eph- of Ephesus, right? Right. And at that particular point in time, you know. Um, you know, he, he was dealing with the churches in Ephesus and he wrote a, um, so I'm going back to Ephesus, even though we're talking about Timothy, we got to look at right. what was happening in Ephesus. Right. So he wrote a, he wrote a letter to the um, church in Ephesus, the Ephesians, and we, and we know about that. But even during that time, Christianity was really spread. We, you, know, had, you had Paul, but he also had some companions here. He mm-hmm. had Priscilla or Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, how we, we want to talk about them. When he made a brief stop during his second missionary journey. And the reason I bring that up is because we can see he was working with both of them. He wasn't just working with one. Right. And then on his third missionary journey, um, the gospel actually spread throughout Asia Minor. Now, of course, when we talk about Asia Minor, people say, where the heck is that? I don't know anything about Asia Minor. Well, 
it was really it's really interesting to me just to digress a little bit because as you know well the, the people who listen to this don't know but i was in the navy you were in the navy as well that's where we met and then ephesus in particular is in the um, province called izmir turkey now our ship pulled into izmir turkey but um i knew izmir as here's what they told us when we, before we get off the boat they said for you christians they said this is a heavy muslim territory and for you Christians, I'm going to tell you guys right now, you better not go out there opening your mouth, because if you do, we are not going to help you. You are on your own. So it's like, shut it up, go out there and enjoy the town. And that's what I did. I didn't know about um, because at that particular point in time, you know, getting into um, what a book was about wasn't really part of my study. I just picked up a book and I read it and because you know that's what I did right okay but I was in Izmir and I bought back some beautiful leather coats for a lot of people in the family including you including your mom yes and but I didn't know about things like um the the um the history of the city per se I I mean I just knew it was a great navy port and we want to go to another port in, in Turkey as well but it that, but is Asia Minor is Turkey Izmir I mean Ephesus in particular is like that little part called um, Izmir where we were I'm, I'm sorry to when I went I, I missed all of all the um, benefits of the city, especially from a historical, biblical perspective. Right. Um, but here, here's one of the things that we do know. It was, um, it was thriving. It was thriving, and, and the Bible tells us that. It was a great commercial and political and so religious So now you're center. in Ephesus, not when you were in the military. You, you're bringing us I mean, to the yeah, Bible Ismael now. Turk, Ephesus, right. Okay. Ephesus was a great political, commercial, I mean, money just flowing all through there. Right. But here's, here's another thing that was really important about that. They had what was called the seventh, one of the seventh wonders of the world. Mm -hmm. I think it was the seventh wonder. It was one of the seventh wonders. It was one of? Uh, the great temple of Diana. Uh -huh. um, Artemis was there. Um, and, and, and so, and what we see there, you had Paul who coming through, and like I said, we're even working with Priscilla and Aquila. Um, he disrupted some things. So we have to look at the temple of um, Artemis, uh -huh. um, Diana. To get an understanding of what kind of environment Timothy was in that would prompt Paul to instruct him in this letter while he was in prison, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and being a history non-buff, right? Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because here's one of the reasons why I don't like history like that, per se, because a lot of times you'll see things written and recorded mm -hmm. and then the question becomes, what sources can you trust? Right. A lot of times people will say, this was documented in this source, but it wasn't documented in that source. But then, of course, if you get some information that you don't like, a lot of times people will spend a, I mean, they'll write dissertations on trying to discredit a source, right? Right. So, but you, but you, we, well, here, but we do know that Diana, the Temple of Diana, is mentioned in the Bible, um, and that that place had a lot of authority, a lot of um, influence, mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact, when it comes to this topic, I see like people who. Um, I see people who want to try to diminish some of the authority because they know that some of the things that we're going to discuss right now is like, hey, we don't want to give credence to women, so therefore we're going to we want to lessen the impact that that temple um, had on um, that area. So, so let me just jump in here a little bit just to try to paint a picture because I am visual, and so in thinking about the city of Ephesus, where. Um, Timothy is now pastoring this new church. It was widely followed by Artemis and she was considered the fertility goddess. She was also known as the great mother of Asia. And actually, if you go online and look up the temple of Artemis, you can see it. It was mammoth. It was huge. The pillars were ginormous. And as a matter of fact, 
you could see uh, the temple from the sea and her statue was just as big. So there were huge golden images of, um, there was a huge golden image of Artemis so that no matter where you were, this temple would loom large over everything because it was the center of the city. The center of city, but it was also the center of commerce as well. Uh -huh. and, you, and you talk about the fertility goddess, right? Because, and that's one of the arguments that a lot of people will try to make. They'll mm -hmm. say that because it was the goddess of fertility, that's what it was all about, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you had these women who would go there, especially if they had problems conceiving, they can go there, they can, and, and Artemis also um, meant like safety, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can have a safe childbirth. And I think we need to understand that because that'll give us some insight into some of these scriptures that has caused us so much angst and confusion, mm -hmm. division and um strife right mm -hmm. but it, it explained why the women went there but then why would the men go there mm -hmm. why, why why would the men go, go to this place and 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 worship mm -hmm. why would it have so much power and it, and it went way beyond money um as a matter of fact we had to look at some of the greek philosophy that was even around at the time that the, the that ephesians believed uh, the people in, in that region, of, which is now Izmir, Turkey, so one of some of the Greek philosophy was that Eve was created first, right? Um, you, and 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 with Eve, and they said that the fact that Adam was, the Bible would say that, or Christians would say that Adam was created first. They say that's a trick and that's a lie. You know, part of the Greek mythology, right? Mm -hmm. um, they say that Eve received special knowledge from God, and um, and that knowledge that she received when she ate the what's called the forbidden fruit was actually good knowledge. And now you had female teachers who now possess this special knowledge and women could actually mediate between God and man. Mm -hmm. And that uh, mediate, and some of these mediators were available for sex after the, the lessons, right? And then you can pass some of this knowledge on to men. And so these are some of the Greek mythologies that was, pre that was prevalent in the region. And I think that's important that we understand this as we look at some of these scriptures that we quote a lot and and take away meaning from okay mm -hmm. and so but we'll come back to that and as, we, me, as we walk through the scriptures right mm -hmm. because artemis had a worldwide following at the time so it wasn't just that the people in ephesus believed in her and who she was and the power she possessed and what she could make happen the good that she could bring to people because it wasn't like they mm -hmm. saw any of this as evil they were doing evil things to mm -hmm. to release this good that they thought she represented but imagine a worldwide following. So, Tony, and when we went to Israel, look how long that took. And we had airplanes. Yes. When we say Artemis had a worldwide following and that people were coming from all over the world, you can go back to Acts 1 and you can remember when they were in the upper room. And when they came out, there were thousands of people who were there for worship. Yes. So this was a main hub, just like when we talk about Corinth. Ephesus was the same way. People came there. They were they were worshiping multiple gods, um, to include Caesar, and they also practiced witchcraft. I mean, there were orgies going on, like you said. They were having sex in the temple, because this is where all the release was happening under this fertility goddess. Right. So um, this was a big money making haven. Yes, and 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 that's and that's where some of the controversy will come in because there will be some people say, well, they were supposed to be virgins, so now you have these Christians trying to say that there was orgies and sex, and of course, if you have the these virgins, there there can't be um, all this sex stuff going on. And that's where some of the um, controversy will come in because people will, like I said, they'll reach because you got to think about why would a, why would why would a man actually come there 
why would a man actually come? Well, it was a haven. It you could have that, sex, and that's, and that's the point I'm making. It was yes. it was a haven, but because there are some people say, oh no, it was just for fertility for the women, and that was it. No, yeah, no. I mean, and that's where sometimes common sense with people have to come into play. Right. You know, right. why why would a man? Why would men from all over the world come to this place if it was just mm-hmm. a, a a safe haven for women? And you saw the results. So it's not like because especially uh, in the Middle East. And in Bible times, when you read in the Bible and it says the Jews required a sign, like they did things that you could then point to see something done right. that resulted from it. So those there are cult practices and witchcraft, like they were able to see the results of them doing these things. And so when Paul and his team came to Ephesus, and that included Aquila and Priscilla, they uh, had so many converts because they were able to demonstrate the power of God in a much grander way that even those who were practicing witchcraft and occult practices, they couldn't do the things that Paul and Timothy and Aquila that they were doing at the time. And so the economy of Ephesus was threatened because they started throwing their witchcraft books and everything saying, oh my God, we want to follow your God. Yeah, and we can see at some of their account even with the commerce and and, and, um, Acts 19, I guess we can come back to that. But for the sake of this conversation, what we have to do is really understand why or get consider why Paul wrote this letter, this what we call this first epistle to Timothy, because he was dealing with a lot of different things there in in that um, region of town. He had a dealing with certain kind of mindsets and you have to deal with the mindsets when you're going into a place. I mean, it's no different than what we would do now if someone was going into an affluent community and people may be pious, they may give one set of instructions that you may go to another place where you say, hey, we're setting up this ministry in this drug infested and gang controlled territory. You may give another set of instructions, but you want to give the person some kind of information on the mindset of those that you're going to be ministering to in that area. Right. So you got to do the demographic research and the market research to understand how can I best reach the people who live in this area. And and know what you're dealing with when you're talking to them because they may have some hurdles that you may not, you have to be prepared to overcome just based on what their belief systems are. And, And that's true regardless of where we are. We just can't go in talking to a group of people, expecting them to understand when we don't know what their belief systems are. Exactly. So what we want to do is let's look at 1 Timothy, but what I need us to do is not necessarily start at um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay. We have to, we have to look at some of the, and the instruction in 1 Timothy chapter 1 to get an understanding of what's going on and what some of the things that are going to be discussed in this letter, right? So, and, and I'm going to read from the complete Jewish Bible. You know, we see in the, in the beginning, he said, I'm, I'm Paul writing and in verse two, I'm writing to Timothy. But then in verse three is where I, I guess I'll pick up. He said, and as I counseled you when I was leaving from Macedonia, stay on in Ephesus so that you may order certain people who are teaching a different doctrine to stop. So we know that there's some false teachings going on. And I'll just go ahead and say it now. These false teachings weren't that women should be preaching. Mm. <laughs> it was a lot of different things <laughs> that was that was going on there, right? Well, glory to that. Had them stop devoting their attention to myths and un- and, and never-ending genealogies that devote people to speculating instead of doing God's work, which requires trust. And, you know, so some of these genealogies, when you do some of the studies, you'll see that the uh, people in uh, Ephesus they actually thought that their city was founded by um, Amazon or these Amazonian women who were considered warrior women. They were like killers of men. They dominated men. So that was part of their mindset. Now, granted, Paul didn't believe that, but whether it was true or not, that was their belief. So it was something that had to be dealt with. So we can see right here 
that that's what um Paul was talking about. Then I'm just going to skip down to verse ten. I mean, I, anybody can read chapter one in in themselves or First Timothy one one. But I'll go down to verse ten, and you'll you'll see right. Uh, maybe I'll start at verse nine. We are aware that Torah is not for a person who is righteous, but for those who are heedless of Torah and rebellious, ungodly and sinful, wicked and worldly, for people who who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral both heterosexual and homosexual, slave dealers, liars, perjurers, and anyone who acts contrary to the sound teaching that accords to the good news of the glorious and blessed God. So we can see right here in chapter one, he's setting the foundation of some things that he had to deal with culturally in that city as he's instructing Timothy. So, I mean, I can even imagine this young guy now, his mentor is gone. Uh, his He's probably overwhelmed. He is completely overwhelmed. And so now Paul has to... Uh, address these issues now here and here's some here's some things that we need to consider as well one how how long ago was this letter written i'm talking about for us today like between like over 1900 years ago right and we talk about understanding the culture of a particular place but the reality is i don't think we can really truly understand the culture of a particular place that's so far behind us because i just think about it even here especially in america we start talking about things 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and we try to explain it to people, we don't understand anything of what they're talking about or how certain things are done. I mean, if you talk to a child today, I mean, they don't even understand what an encyclopedia is when you're talking about doing reference or even a record. When Joe Biden said the record player, you know, the young folks like, what is a record player? They download everything now. So just generationally, when we, when we talk about certain things, we don't understand. I mean, and even... Today, we can even talk about someone who lives in Baltimore. They may not even relate culturally to somebody who lives in Louisiana. And I'm talking about in modern day. So we have a lot of cultural differences. But in this particular case, we are going 1900 plus years ago trying to understand. So we think we understand what was happening. But I would dare say that we can, none, nobody can truly fully grasp the environment and, 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 and the um, pressures of what was going on back then. Well, let me just also add, and we don't understand the mammoth undertaking that Timothy was responsible for. It's just like in the book of Acts, when they had the converts there, they said thousands of people were giving their lives to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So if this were the case, you can only imagine he needed as much help as he could get. And as these people were converting and showing some level of articulation or intelligence he needed to utilize them to help with the other people because heresy and i think i mentioned this early was huge absolutely because they were teaching whatever they knew or what they thought they knew which is one of the things paul was addressing yeah so when we when we're looking at this first letter to timothy i mean it's easy to the to default and just say hey well yep this is one of the ways when you got this guy running this church and paul is saying shut the women down but I think when you look at it in its totality, you can see that he was dealing with issues much graver than that. And it definitely wasn't looking at shutting women down when it comes to preaching. He was talking about that. But I guess we'll get into um, 1 Timothy chapter 2 um, a little later because I'm looking at your clock. And I think we're almost out of time for, yeah, the, for the length this, that you want your podcast to be, right? This is a good place to stop because it, we, we've set the, the, the stage for the conversation uh, and gave us a better understanding. It's, this conversation has given us a better understanding of what we're walking into to, to see why Paul was saying what he said to, to Timothy. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's do this again for next week. Okay. 
So when we pick up, we'll start at 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please submit them at eveworeareyou.com. Or for church leaders in need of assistance in addressing these types of matters, please contact me by going to my website to submit a request for consultation. To stay connected, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Nicole Davis One and Instagram at Eve Where Are You. Now with that said, let's go be a positive force and lift up every woman everywhere. Thank you for listening. <music>